You know, but there was a level of excitement and anticipation in our house at the moment. But of course, today we're not talking about the coming of the tooth fairy. We're talking about Jesus. You know, we're talking about Jesus. That's what we get to get excited about now. And, uh, and I would just love to remind us this evening, if I may, just the, the kind of the simple and the startling uh, beginning to, to Mary's story. Mary, who quite literally makes a place for the arrival of Jesus in human history. So you ready? Are you ready? Because Advent says, are you ready? Yeah, Advent says, come on, go get your popcorn and your big Coke, because the film is about to begin. Uh, So we're going to go straight into Luke. We're in the first chapter of Luke. You might want to get there with me. Uh, I'm going to read it. And uh, if you're looking for it, whilst you're finding it, I'll I'll just catch you up. We're going to start chapter 1, verse 26. The first uh, kind of 25 verses, basically after a a very short introduction from uh, Luke, he actually jumps into a different story. In fact, another story about another miraculous conception. Uh, There's a guy called Zachariah who's married to uh, Elizabeth. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth are, are old. You know, they're past the age of bearing children and they've never been able to have kids uh, throughout their whole life. But suddenly the Holy Spirit gets involved. God's power is at work and Elizabeth falls miraculously pregnant uh, with a baby who they call John. Uh, this baby eventually becomes John the Baptizer, John the Baptist, the man who heralds the arrival of Jesus Christ. So that takes us up to verse uh, 25, uh, and in verse 26, it begins like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and he wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and you'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. You know, other translations put that. No word from God can ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. 
And then the angel left. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, thank you that you speak. And Lord, we thank you for these gospels that we get to read and study, these windows, Jesus, into your life here on earth. And Lord, as we just take uh, just this moment to think about the beginning of the story of your birth, about Mary's story. Jesus, would you, would you speak to us? Would you shape us? Jesus, we want to we be a bit more like you when we leave this place than when we came in. Amen. Amen. So, Mary gets a bit of a shock. Yeah? Quite shocking. An angel turns up. You know, not just any old angel, but the archangel Gabriel. You know, and I don't know about you, I mean... I, I, to be honest, I don't even know how to picture this scene. You know, I mean, when you look at it on Christmas cards and stuff, you normally kind of get Mary praying in a corner and some kind of floaty angel floating or levitating off the ground. Bit, I mean, I have no idea. It, I'm thinking it probably wasn't like that. I don't know, you know. But what I do know is this is crazy. You know, this is a big deal. Something remarkable is happening. This is supernatural stuff. You know, I think <laughs> the angel turning up is remarkable. I think the angel's message is remarkable. You know, perhaps the only unremarkable thing is actually is Mary. Yeah, in fact, at first glance, Mary is just super unremarkable. You know, this is an amazing story. You know, why is, what's Mary doing in the middle of it. Yeah, you know, all we're told really about, about Mary uh, at the beginning is that she was promised in marriage to one of David's kind of long, long, King David's long, long descendants and that she was in a town called Nazareth. You know, this is not your kind of classic high favour material. Yeah, from, from this little description we're given, basically we can glean that uh, you know, Mary was probably about 14 years old. Your kind of betrothal back in those days when you were given in marriage to someone happened shortly after puberty. It's probably likely that Mary had kind of just become a teenager. Uh, and as a young person, a young woman who was unmarried, you know, she'd have had virtually no social status at all. And as for Nazareth, well, uh, at that time, in, in that period, Nazareth was just this insignificant, fairly unknown little town. You know, scholars reckon that there was probably like maybe just 1,600 people there or something. You know, it's a tiny little town. Unremarkable. An unremarkable girl in an unremarkable town. Yet she goes down as the most highly favoured lady. Now, what an amazing thing. And, and actually, you know, like so many gospel stories, you know, right at the start, this story begins to kind of fly in the face of conventional wisdom, doesn't it? It kind of, it kind of comes against the kind of the, the, the morals of the stories of our culture. 
You know, our culture that tells stories with morals like, you know, life is what you make it. Or you need to be at the right place at the right time. You know, or, or perhaps the way we start thinking after listening to our cultural stories is, well, actually, if I can get that job, you know, actually, if I can work hard enough, if I can be seen with the right people in the right place, you know, or actually increasingly these days, you know, if I can get enough followers, enough likes, you know, if, if I can hype myself up enough, you know, if I can build my own brand enough, well, maybe, just maybe, maybe then the opportunity will come to me. Then maybe I'll find favour. You know, but that's not what we see at the beginning of this story. Mary, an unremarkable girl in an unremarkable place, yeah, which might have been the middle of nowhere, but out of nowhere comes a remarkable gift. Yeah, and this, this is the gospel, isn't it? This, this is the good news. You know, the good news that, that if you're unsure whether you're good enough, or, or if you're unsure whether you're liked enough, if you're, if you're unsure whether you've worked hard enough, if, you, if you're unsure that maybe you're, you're too old or, or maybe you're too young, well, well, actually, if that's you, then you are exactly the kind of person who can find God's favour. You know, Mary's story reveals to us that God's gift is unexpected and it's undeserved. And of course the gift, well, it's Jesus. The gift is Jesus. You know, and for us now, kind of looking back, well, you know, we, we kind of we get that. We kind of understand that a little bit. You know, we say, oh, well, the gift is Jesus. And we think, oh, yeah, okay. Well, Mary had no idea. Mary didn't know what was going on. You know, and so, and so what happens here, you know, because it is Advent after all, you know, basically Gabriel runs the trailer. You know, he kind of gives her the, the quick trailer of what's going to happen, you know, to get her excited about what's coming. You know, he says, he says to Mary, verse 31 and verse 3, he says, you will be with child. You will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. You know, this is a great start. You know, did you know the name Jesus literally means God saves this is a great start. God saves. God rescues. Literally, God is salvation. Yeah, and then the kind of, kind of the trailer keeps running. You know, Gabriel produced these, these amazing kind of sort of punchy uh, prophetic pictures that are all drawn from Old Testament characters like Isaiah and Micah and Samuel and, and from in the Psalms. He goes on to say, he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Yeah, it's an amazing set of pictures. 
And in fact, we could preach, uh, you know, a message on each of those pictures. These amazing glimpses, kind of foretastes of what was to come in the life of Jesus. You know, but basically, in summary, this is big news. (laughs) This is a big deal right here. You know, the people of God had been waiting for hundreds of years. Waiting. Holding on to the promises that God had given them. Holding on to God's word. Holding on to the promise that a Messiah was coming. That someone was coming to save them, to rescue them. To rule over God's people again. Suddenly Gabriel rocks up to Mary and he says, this is it. It's coming. You know, again, looking back uh, now, we know, amazingly, that in Jesus' birth and life and death, he fulfills over 300 Old Testament prophecies. Isn't that amazing? You know, Jesus' birth, in his life, and in his death, he fulfills over 300 prophecies, 300 promises that had been given. Here in this unremarkable girl, in this unremarkable town, something remarkable was about to take place. Something powerful was about to happen. God's word was about to become flesh. The promise was about to become a person. And then it gets really exciting. Then the Holy Spirit gets involved. Verse 34, verse 35. Gabriel says, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I mean, this is crazy. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is mad. I mean, you know, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This kind of throws up these epic images, again, from the Old Testament. You know, the image of, of God's presence, God's cloud overshadowing the tabernacle, the tent, you know, where God's glory was, the place where God existed. There he was in a cloud overshadowing. You know, again, we see it in, in the, the story of the transfiguration. Of Jesus, that all three accounts, they use this word overshadow. You know, I don't know if you remember the story, this cloud comes down. God's presence, God's glory was there. Gabriel says, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. God was going to make his home in Mary. You know, right at the beginning of Mary's story, we see just the incredible nature of God's presence. We see what happens in God's presence. We see God's power released. In fact, we see God's power over over human reproduction. God's power over life itself. Yeah, this is amazing. This is remarkable. 
This is a story to get excited about. You know, God literally brings miraculous new life. First through an older woman who was barren and who couldn't have children, and then through a young virgin who had never had sex. This is the power of God at work. You know, and then Gabriel finishes his message uh, to Mary with these amazing words that I, you know, that I think just kind of echo uh, throughout the life of Jesus, uh, throughout the rest of human history. You know, he says, nothing is impossible with God. Or, or as I said in some translations, God's word can never fail. Wow. Have you ever seen God's power at work? I have. I have. I remember in, in May 2012, uh, my wife Charlotte and I, we found out uh, we were pregnant. And it had taken us a long time to get there. You know, it wasn't straightforward for us. In fact, we'd been married for about 10 or 11 years at this point. Uh, but finally, we, we fell pregnant. And it was just the most exciting thing. Uh, and, and I remember we were, we were so excited. We were so expectant. We were so ready to be prepared. And we went off for our kind of 12, 13-week scan. And, uh, and we went in and the sonographer uh, said to us, there's a problem. And, uh, and she wouldn't actually even tell us what it was. We, she said, look, you're going to have to come back tomorrow. You're going to have to come back and see the head of fetal medicine. And at the time, we were living in West London, and so we had to go back to Chelsea and Westminster Hospital and go and see the head of fetal medicine the next day, just thinking, oh, gosh, God, what is, what is happening? And when we got there, uh, they took us into the room, uh, and, and the head of fetal medicine said to us, uh, this fetus uh, is not compatible with life. They wouldn't even call it a baby. This fetus is not compatible with life. They wrote it down. A lethal condition. You know, we were told that, uh, that our child had an illness that meant her bones weren't going to grow properly, arms and legs would be short. Crucially, her rib cage wouldn't develop enough for her lungs to be able to inflate. And so while the pregnancy may go full term, uh, if the baby was born, it would never be able to breathe. And so we left the hospital that day just broken, devastated. You know, all that excitement, all that anticipation just smashed. And, uh, and we went back home and, and amazingly we had friends who gathered round us and prayed with us and cried with us and uh, called out to God with us to try and make some sense of what was going on and, and eventually we went back to the hospital and we said to the doctors we said well you know we're not going to terminate this pregnancy because we don't know what's going on but what we do know is that that's not our decision to make and uh, and we're just gonna we're just gonna just leave this in God's hands and the doctor said well okay We'll scan you all the time because <laughs> we need to keep an eye on this. And that was basically the beginning of what ended up just being seven, nearly eight excruciating months 
of going back and forth to the hospital, of seeing this prognosis develop before our eyes with every scan, seeing what the doctors had predicted unfold, seeing uh, our, our baby growing and, and actually parts of her not really being there, you know, seeing no chest in the scans. Uh, and this took us all the way through to January the 5th. Uh, we were coming up to, to full term and, um, and all of a sudden, uh, about 11 o'clock at night, Charlotte's waters <laughs> just broke. Oh, so that's a bit graphic, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, it, I mean, it literally was like that. She's not here tonight, so, you know, it's, we could be... Um, it was crazy. Like, actually, we were, I was getting a bit annoyed, right? We were watching Batman at the time. We were watching Batman. I was sitting there. Charlotte was kind of just sort of lying, you know, the head on my lap. And she was just fidgeting. And I was like getting really... I was like, can you sit still? I'm trying to watch the film. And then all of a sudden, you know, and I was it's like, something's happening. And so we called up the doctors and they said, look, you just need to get over uh, to the hospital. We were out in Essex at the time. And so I just, we kind of jumped in the car and thought, right, I need to not speed. Let's just try and get across London safely. And so we drove across London and we arrived at the hospital just before midnight. And, uh, and they rushed us in and sort of triage and looked at us. And, and then almost immediately we got taken into theatre uh, and they performed uh, just an emergency uh, delivery. And I remember sitting there at Charlotte's head and, and they lifted up Adelaide. And, and our baby, who we had been told would never breathe, began to cry. She began to cry. She went red as her body oxygenated. And the doctors took her off into a corner of the room and there was this big fuss and, and I was just didn't know what to do and I was looking around and eventually the doctor called me over and so I just kind of tentatively went over to the corner and, uh, and the, the, the lead paediatrician there said that Mr. Williams this is a pleasant surprise <laughs> that's literally what he said I was like what? this is a miracle you know our baby that we'd seen on the screen with all these problems you know, in an instant, you know, in one breath, it was changed. You know, we saw the power of God at work that day. You know, we knew that God could heal Adelaide, but we didn't know if he would. But this was God's gift of grace to us. The biggest demonstration that I've seen in my life so far of God's power at work. You know, Mary's story reveals to us that God's gift is new life, miraculous new life, and it's power. You know, and this is why, this is why we talk about transformation. This is why we have hope for our city. You know, even in the light of things like London Bridge just a couple of days ago. This is why we pray for healing. This is why we believe for something better, for new life. This is why we worship a God who is present, who is powerful who is mighty to save. And you know, this is where it all began. 
in Mary. Mary, who was quite literally the place where God's word became flesh and where the reality of heaven was set free on the earth. You know, when I was, I was preparing for this message, I saw something really cool that I'd not seen before. Um, when I was looking at this, this term that Gabriel uses, you know, famously, really, when he first addresses Mary and he calls her highly favoured. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. In fact, that, that verb, highly favoured, it's only used one other time in the New Testament. Uh, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses it in his first chapter, uh, to his letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians 1 verse 6. It's in the, the piece where he's talking about the fact that we, we are adopted into God's family. You know, we all have this invitation into the family of God through Jesus. And, and he speaks of God's glorious grace freely given to us. God's glorious grace freely given to us. And that's that same verb that the angel Gabriel uses of Mary. You who are highly favoured, gifted God's grace. You know, 2,000 years ago, Mary was the place, quite literally, where God's word became flesh and today through the power of the Holy Spirit you and I get to be that place that place where the reality of of heaven is set free uh, in the earth we can literally be the hands and the feet of Jesus today Jesus made flesh in us you know Mary's story reveals to us that God's gift is unexpected and it is undeserved. Mary's story reveals to us that God's gift is miraculous new life and it is power. And Mary's story reveals to us that God's gift is yours and it is mine. Why don't we stand together? You know, of course, the thing about, uh, the thing about gifts is they have to be received. <laughs> Will you receive the remarkable gift of God? You know, at the end of this encounter that Mary has with the angel, she says these incredible words. Mary says, May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me as you have said. And I guess, you know, that's what we do here every week as we gather together and as we worship together and we say yes to Jesus as we say Holy Spirit come and have your way as we say may it be to me as you have said so this season as we journey through Advent together as we remember as we get excited about the story Will you receive the gift of God?